they don't know how to get from A to Z, and you really, you don't have to. Those are things that are going to reveal themselves along the way. Welcome to episode 449 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Rye Marcatilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We don't often get to spend a whole episode diving into the earliest work that communities do to set the foundation for progress and expanding high-quality broadband access down the road, but that's what we're talking about today. Christopher is joined by Pierrette Renee Dagg, Director of Marketing and Communications for the Merit Network, and John Egelhoff, Executive Director of the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission. The two share the history of efforts in Berrien County, Michigan, and how a group of residents and local officials began pursuing better internet connectivity a few years ago. Pierrette and John share the work that's gone into the formation of a broadband task force, the identification of avenues and goals, and collaborations with hundreds of community partners along the way. The story they tell is one of the power of partnerships and outreach groups, like anchor institutions, libraries, senior centers, HOAs, fraternal organizations, and PTA groups in contributing to a growing momentum, how pizza boxes can play a role in building support, and why Chris thinks early broadband planners are like squirrels. Now here's Christopher talking with Pierrette and John. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today I'm speaking with some folks from, well, from Michigan, and specifically from Southwest Michigan, John Egelhoff, who is the Executive Director of the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission, uh, and who is assisting with the Berrien County Broadband Internet Task Force. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Chris. And we also have a repeat guest, Pierrette Renee Dagg, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications at Merit Network in Michigan, although I think you might not be in Michigan. Are you in Michigan? Uh, Merit Network is in Michigan, and we're owned and governed by 12 of the public universities in Michigan. I am also a PhD student at the University of Toledo. Currently, right now, today, I'm sitting across state lines in Ohio. All right. Well, I'm sure that they'll count that against you, but we won't. We don't mind so much. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an episode that um, is brought on because uh, in a conversation with you, Pierrette, you you noted the really impressive work that um, the Berrien County Broadband Internet Task Force has done in terms of getting things started and really having good community collaboration and building a foundation. And I've heard from some listeners that they're very interested in these early steps. What can be done um, when you're when you sort of have a few people meeting around a, at a coffee shop uh, outdoors, maybe, <laughs> and um, you're trying to figure out how can we, what what do we actually do to turn this into something where we can really uh, imagine it moving the needle with a broadband investment from someone to improve access. So, John, let me ask you to just start briefly, paint us a little bit of a picture of how this got started in your neck of the woods. It's a little bit interesting to actually have to think of it as a story because I'm still in the middle of the story. So <laughs> it's not like it has a fret, you know, an easy beginning and a middle and an end yet. Uh, so just, you know, that's the sort of um, setup. But uh, we at the Uh, Southwest Michigan Planning Commission had been in the broadband kind of understanding business for a little while, Um, but the world wasn't quite ready for us to do that. Like our our world, our part of the world wasn't quite ready. 
So we had built something and then we had to sort of put it on pause, uh, put it on mothballs for a little while. And then it seemed like momentum started picking up again. And we're just kind of a, we're a regional organization and we work in a lot of different areas. So we've always got our kind of uh, ear to the tracks, if you will. Um, and that vibration, we picked up that vibration again and started running with it. So that's kind of, I mean, it's, that's not a lot of substance, but that's sort of a loose beginning. Did that vibration come from COVID-19 and people suddenly prioritizing this in ways that they had not before? No, it was well in advance of that, as a matter of fact. Um, we, uh, I, I think part of it was that um, I, I was reading the tea leaves from other organizations around kind of our perimeter and maybe statewide and federal uh, and just recognizing that the world was starting to change. Um, federal funding was starting to become possible. State funding was starting to, you know, coalesce a bit. So um, I knew that we had to continue to build our own collective intelligence at our organization. And I was in the process of doing that. Now, Pierrette, we've talked about the Michigan moonshot. And um, just today I spent an hour talking about how wonderful it is. <laughs> um, we've talked about all the different things, all the resources you've collected. Give us a sense of, of how what's happening um, in, in Southwest Michigan kind of fits in. Is that what a lot of communities are doing across the state right now? We actually have a lot of communities who are in every every portion of their community network journey. Most of the communities, so if there are a lot of people who are listening to this outside of Michigan, as I anticipate, most communities are going to be in the early planning stages. And those can fall anywhere from just some interested citizens right now trying to decide if they're ready to begin the journey. Maybe there be are some conversations being held with uh, local elected officials, maybe people are seeking out like-minded broadband champions at community anchor institutions. Some are seeking out existing efforts, building their team, um, all the way to doing things like establishing goals. Or, you know, once, once someone is as far as perhaps finding some stakeholders who are, are on board, um, whether it's planning commissions or co-ops or community anchors, the next step is really to start looking at assessing the, the community. So uh, one of the big things that the Michigan Moonshot is working on right now is we're working with a number of communities in data collection. And as I'm sure most everybody on this podcast is aware, uh, is it safe to assume that everybody's kind of on the same page about the, the challenges with relying on carrier and, and FCC data, Chris? Yes. Yeah, if not, they've, they've wandered in and they're about to wander out. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we we really have an understanding of why that locally sourced connectivity data is needed, what we've been focusing on uh, very heavily is a an in-community survey that goes very deep to measure both the served and unserved populations in different communities and statewide in Michigan through a number of methods where we've got uh, companion surveys for those who are unserved whether it is through uh, potential use of text message, 1-800 numbers, lightweight surveys that can be accessed via uh, cellular plans, and then we've got an online survey that can be used for those who do have fixed internet in their home, and it measures things like uh, demographic information, access, use, sentiment data, and that's coupled along with the speed test. 
And what that information is allowing uh, a lot of our communities who are in that stage of planning to do is to really uh, assess and understand who in their community is connected, the speeds at which they're connected. Uh, it really helps to, and I'll talk a lot about this because this is something that I really feel Berrien County and the Southwest Michigan Regional Planning Commission has done in a way that we've not seen uh, ever before, uh, using this as a, a method to really engage communities um, holistically and really to get everybody together on board. Um, and then we're using that data that comes back and the sentiment analysis to create uh, GIS visualizations, mapping, things like that, which really are assisting with municipalities and, and planning commissions and groups in broadband grant applications in the next steps of, of broadband planning in the next steps of feasibility. So you're doing a lot of things. Yes, sir. <laughs> this is where I, I should have noted that Merit Network is not your typical kind of network that people are familiar with. Merit um, serves all the schools and libraries and higher education um, it seems you take higher education seriously for how well you've done doing the literature review of all of the best resources in the country um, in the Michigan Moonshot Project. So a lot of the things you've discussed, you've open sourced, and people can learn about by just doing a quick internet search for Michigan Moonshot and checking it out. Um, so these resources that we're going to be talking about some more here are available to others. If you're in Michigan, you should just reach out directly to Merit about, um, about accessing all of the great resources they've made available. As we're, as we're coming back, John, to Berrien County, um, you mentioned that this is starting to bubble up now. And what are your, what are your first steps then as you're noticing that? And, and how do you then get um, tied into what Merit is doing? I wasn't specific about what I was, uh, the way I was collecting information. So I just grabbed it from wherever I could get it um, and tried to just um, settle myself. Um, to understand that it's okay that it, you know, these dots don't form a line yet, um, that at some point what I'm learning is going to start to shuffle and um, sort out and make sense. Um, so I was grabbing information from anywhere I could get it, uh, academics, um, people who were in the, in the field, um, you know, actually installing uh, uh, infrastructure, um, you know, just a whole range of folks. Um, there was a Michigan State University had a, someone called an innovation fellow who um, I kind of latched onto and he sort of latched onto us and we learned a lot together about cool broadband stuff. So he was a great pathway for me. So I, you never knew where it was going to come from. But one of the things that was really crucial um, as I'm doing that, Berrien County Board of Commissioners are building their goals for, I think it was 2020. At some point, there were some activist commissioners on that board that said broadband provision has got to be one of our goals. And um, I would say that the, the county administration and Berrien um, kind of recognized what a lot of folks recognized in, uh, in leadership positions, that this is an extremely heavy lift. And um, the sense that they have is that we don't have the people in place, we don't have the systems in place, um, and moreover, we really don't know what we're what we're supposed to do. So um, 
you know, that, that was kind of what resulted was um, he had a hunch that the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission had already built up a sort of storehouse of, you know, useful information and was maybe already um, had some inertia going. So at that point, we had a bunch of critical pieces that suddenly snapped together. Um, we had a lot of information and intel that we gathered. We had leadership that was ready to go. Um, all I had to do was sort of sit down with them and establish that let's meet in a sort of uh, periodic way. Between a, our monthly meetings, I would gather a bunch of stuff. We'd talk about that stuff and then we'd meet again and we'd start to plan a course. Over time, it became apparent to us that we were starting on a journey and some of that material started making sense. Now, so far, we've kind of been introduced to two stakeholders, the, the county and the planning commission. Now, John, I'm curious about other stakeholders. So far, the story involves uh, the county and uh, the planning commission. Uh, how did others start to get integrated into this? We started adding county commissioners. Um, so um, in the beginning, it was just two. And then a third one joined, and then the county administrator, uh, there was some turnover in county administration and the new county administrator joined. So there was on an individual level that there was starting to be a sort of broader representation from leadership. Um, but at the same time, um, we started to recognize that, um, you know, we're not alone on this, um, this issue, that there's a lot of organizations around the region that also we're prioritizing broadband as a thing, recognizing the deficit, knowing that something had, had to be done about it. And one of the things about, um, this is a little plug for uh, regional planning organizations like ours, um, we are um, facilitators and collaborators. That's what we do all the time. And so our linkage to these other organizations is sort of part of what we're already doing anyway. So to um, recognize how those assets can resort uh, across a broadband issue is not that out of the ordinary for us. So we're starting to see this and we're recognizing, okay, we got to move into our collaborative mode and start um, gathering them up and letting them know what's up. Pirate, I'm assuming that you pop this up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, John said a, a couple of things that I think are so critical for any community or any broadband champion that's considering starting this journey or is on, on even just the, the initial thoughts about it. Um, going all the way back to when John started talking about there were a lot of people in various uh, positions at the at the county and a lot of times they're not alone John you're pulling information from every source you can get there really isn't any one-size-fits-all approach to this and there's not really going to be any singular solution and a lot of times I know that people who are planning this journey or trying to build their broadband vision really don't they don't know how to get from A to Z and you really, you don't have to. Those are things that are going to reveal themselves along the way, whether it's the financing, the models, the engineering, the architecture, the ownership, any of those things, they're all really step-by-step. Step. Um, so I think that that can be a challenge. I think also sometimes the, 
the capabilities of any singular organization or the knowledge or even the, the ability or the manpower can a lot of times be out of the, the realm of capability of a single organization, which is why what's happening right now with a lot of our Michigan, Michigan communities is so amazing because we're seeing all over in many of these communities that are, are working with Merit and the Michigan Moonshot or are working together, they're forming these partnerships, whether it's private organizations, municipalities, uh, municipalities and task forces, and everyone is kind of banding together, much like in Berrien County, the Broadband Task Force and the Regional Planning Commission's case, where they're all really working together to make something like this work. For us, another another really innovative thing that we've seen both in Washtenaw County, Michigan, and in Darien now is once you really do start to, to want to feel out resident sentiment data to understand what do our residents need, what do our residents want, perhaps uh, what might they even use these tools for, where are we lacking, how do we feel if there are providers, how do we feel about the providers that exist or uh, where do we feel like maybe we're unsatisfied? Any of that kind of information, if you have a ton of money to spend on outreach to get people to take your survey, send your their opinions to let them know about speed tests, that's great. And any bit of information can be useful. So in some cases, when money's been available, we've seen communities do things like radio advertisements, flyers on pizza boxes. We've seen pre-roll commercials in movie theaters pre-COVID, television commercials, direct mailers, you name it, we've seen it. But in a lot of cases, and I feel like this might be true for, for many of the communities that are listening, especially those who are primarily unserved, uh, either population density prevents that. Uh, the pandemic right now is certainly an issue and um, also just socioeconomic. If it were potentially a more affluent community, maybe some of these issues wouldn't exist anyway. So um, one thing that we're seeing, and, and John really, uh, the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission and the Berrien County Broadband Internet Task Force and their board of commissioners, what they've really done, uh, I feel like as an exemplar, is really build this engagement circle. So the citizen and the community uh, they really had a lot of needs, and that drove discussions with those municipal entities. And then those municipal entities, in turn, started working with the Michigan Moonshot. And instead of uh, doing external advertisements, what we were able to do is assemble a growing list. As John said, our story is still, our, our hero's journey is still in progress, right? We, we haven't returned home with our magic elixir. And so what we've done is we've identified through the, the task force more than 200 community anchor institutions, outreach partners, and interested citizens, and, and these include schools, HOAs, libraries, fraternal organizations, and private entities, and, and even in some cases, some, some private corporations, to really help us spread the word. So the Michigan Moonshot with them developed a community outreach toolkit, and that included things like social media posts and images, sample emails that they could send to their members or constituents or people that interface with their organizations. We developed some language that they might use in newsletters, existing channels, and on websites. And we held a, a one-to-many style informational webinar for all of these community partners 
to help them all spread the same message about sharing information about the initiative, about the survey, and about the speed test. So it's really built this cycle that, you know, John said, it, it really does bring everybody together. And it really, it, it takes everybody within a community because the, the task is so large. And in most cases, it's too much for any one group. So in this way, the community engagement broadband project builds this planning ecosystem that brings everybody even closer together around this shared goal. In some ways, what I think you're describing is that people need to be arrogant squirrels in the sense that you're a squirrel and that you're going out and you're collecting all these bits of information that you may not know exactly what you're going to do with and you're trying to, to get this all together. And, and the arrogance is is not being too intimidated by all of the things that have to come, that you, yeah. you don't know where the money is, you don't know what the technology is going to be, you're just trying to, you're trying to get all these different pieces that will later form uh, this image. And then um, with what Pierrette was just saying, you've developed this remarkable tool um, to be able to share that information and to make sure that not just are you telling people that, um, you know, this is a fact and broadband's an important thing, but here's something that you can do in your company. Here's something you can do at your PTA, you know, in order to spreading the survey and, and things like that. Uh, so, John, tell us um, what you wanted to add on. Uh, yeah, I think it's really critical to reduce it down to um, a set of things, actions that uh, anybody can take. Um, and in the end, the survey itself is really simple. So it's not onerous. Um, so all of that has been kind of factored in all along. But I guess the thing I wanted to add was um, two, two things that are sort of um, a little nuance of, of what's already been said. One is that, um, you know, I, I was talking about certain synergies with other actions that were happening and starting to click together. Um, there is a sub-region within Berrien County um, called Harbor Country. And um, in Harbor Country, there's a foundation uh, that um, is, part, Harbor Country is part of that foundation's uh, kind of scope, uh, geographic scope. And they sat down with leaders in Harbor Country to say, let's determine what our community's number one, two, and maybe three priority is. And they did that work. They funded it. They got a lot of citizen uh, response. And lo and behold, you got broadband showing up as one of the top two priorities. So, oh, you know, antenna goes up. You know, that's an issue there. The other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, planning organizations like mine, we're not, uh, Michigan is completely covered by 14 planning organizations just um, similarly kind of um, oriented to mine. Um, each one of them responds uniquely to the challenges in their region, um, but they're all staffed with professional planners and they're used to this um, certain kind of approach to work. We're not alone. Like I, Minnesota has plenty of regional planning organizations. We're nonprofits. Um, in our case, we were created by the um, counties we serve, um, but also uh, enabled by the state of Michigan. So that's kind of a common thing. So I want people out there to know that if you're looking for a partner, it is likely that you would find one in your regional planning organization that serves you. The, the folks there are used to being very process driven 
Um, so I know I'm kind of default to that uh, and really need a process if I'm going to understand what we're doing, where we're going, why we're doing it, how it rolls out over time. So that's one of the things that planning organizations and planners in general are really good at. Now, I'm curious, as you're, how did this start in terms of building this, um, the coalition beyond the county and the, and the planning board? Um, you know, was that something, I mean, if I was to stereotype for a second, I don't feel like planners are necessarily um, the ones who are going to be like out um, just spreading the word, evangelizing. I, mean, I think of planners as tending to be a little bit more introspective and, and quiet. So um, how did you spread the word about all this? Well, um, in truth, um, I think you get planners are this interesting juxtaposition of both of the things you talked about. Um, okay. Because nobody goes to planning school of any reputation and comes out thinking that if they sit at their desk and build a plan, <laughs> everything's going to work out. The, you know, any decent plan begins with community buy-in in the front end that we're planning and we're participating in it, participation in the middle, and then final buy-in in the end. So it's, it's human beings engaged in the very planning that will impact their communities when the plan is gone and the plan is left. So that is really instrumental. Um, so we're already used to um, engaging, like no decent process um, exists without engagement at, the, at its cornerstone. Um, but in this case, it was kind of like then COVID hits, right? I mean, we haven't talked about COVID yet, but suddenly here we are in pandemic mode and everybody knows this one. Um, their students, um, are only so successful at engaging and continuing to learn. And the schools are very concerned about this and they're trying to figure out what to do about it. And in the meantime, we recognize that there is synergy here. Uh, it's kind of a two-phase thing. They've got an immediate need and we're talking about a need that's a little farther down the road, but nevertheless, it still snaps together as a common interest. So we started reaching out to our regional school districts, uh, they call them RISAs here, um, but uh, I suppose many states probably do this where they collect uh, school districts into a larger regional district thing. So they have a, a technology expert there and they were more than willing to be the sort of fulcrum for reaching all of the schools. So we reach out to the technology expert and they push everything that we need that students and their parents and the teachers and everything, everything we need them to know, they're pushing it out. So it's some of those really critical, we kind of tiered our community engagement that way, where if we touch one organization, how can we push that message out from that one uh, sort of linchpin and out to a lot of people that are in their kind of uh, sphere. So that was like our top tier organizations if we could hit a lot of people by just hitting that one organization, that put them at the top tier. And then we sort of tiered the others too. Um, there's all sorts of different ways to um, to do that, but that's kind of what we were doing. The other point I wanted to bring out from uh, Puret's um, wonderful description of the the survey and the getting that information out, the pizza boxes, um, being able to do it with, uh, with cell phones and text messaging, 
you, I don't. I suspect you didn't have someone giving you a million dollars for an advertising campaign um, to put it on local television stations and things like that. Uh, how did you go about getting um, the word out for the survey? Is it purely the mechanism that you just described, or were there other pieces of that to make sure people did the survey? So it's it's sort of splinters into two two answers. One is about the funding side, and the other is about maximizing uh, your opportunities and you know recognizing sort of prioritizing maximum bang for the buck, uh, and then everything else. And Barian was willing to put some skin in the game. So we were fortunate. Uh, we kind of figured out um, initially, we wanted to address this as a regional three county endeavor. It was just happened that Barian was more kind of ready to go. Um, we have uh, interest from one of, our, one of our other counties, um, and we're going to pursue that. And they're also brought in financially, but we're not talking about a tremendous amount of money here. Um, so um, on that side of things, the county commissioners um, determined it was a priority and were willing to put some of their general fund money behind it. So um, that was critical. And, and Pierrette can talk about some of the other details of, of funding um, as well. Um, but the other side of it is really, how do we parlay this engagement with all of these uh, community organizations and use things like social media that don't really cost very much, determine that um, our survey and the speed test will be on the other side of a, link, a hyperlink instead of you know, a hard copy mailing that goes to their address, because that is a lot more expensive than pushing out digital information. So. We erred on the side of seeing how much we can accomplish with the digital push um, and then putting in our back pocket the possibility that if we don't see the response we want, we can push over to um, something more paper centric. We did sort of hedge a little bit and decided that there were um, sectors of our community that we knew were underserved. We knew that were um, challenged in in sort of historic uh, generational kind of ways and we needed to reach them with a postcard or something physical so um we went uh, about the challenge of determining with gis kind of where those populations are what zip codes those are and then push postcards with all of you know the essential information on that postcard and before I asked Pierrette to add to that. Um, what was the amount that Berrien County was able to commit? Don't remember exactly, but we're right around thirty thousand. Okay, yeah, a an amount that will be um, <laughs> um, lead to well in excess of that amount of benefits, <laughs> no doubt. Oh my goodness, yes. So, Pierrette, is there anything that you want to add on to that? As we're we are starting to hit to the end of the episode, so I want to make sure we hit any other key points. What I would like to add on to that again is um, whether that number is an anchor number high or low, like I said, there are innumerable ways that we can use this bottom-up grassroots approach to build this community planning ecosystem through these community anchor partners. And whether that's through press releases, social media campaigns, PTAs and PTOs, libraries, HOAs, whether it is through mailing, whether it is through radio interviews, we were very lucky in that we got a lot of press coverage from a number of press releases and interviews that we had done so that also helped spread the word. And Merritt is also concurrently working on gathering data in a statewide fashion 
um, which is a little bit lighter than these deep in community uh, data collections that we're doing with, for example, Barry and what we did in Washtenaw County, um, and just general awareness about that assisted as well. So I think it really, it does, it depends upon the community. It depends on the partners and the champions that your task forces and planning groups can assemble and put together. It depends on the interest and commitment of every single citizen. It's also a top-down issue. So it really is something that uh, really is something we're going to be successful and stronger together in. So we need individual citizens to be very uh, engaged and very committed to spreading the word and encouraging their neighbors and talking to their teachers and their postmans and the people that are, are delivering their groceries and all those things. And then we also need the same messages being echoed from our county commissioners, from our mayors, from our municipalities and everybody, everybody in between. And by doing that, we're able to share this burden and carry this load together in a way that's going to be the most effective and make the most sense for each community. That's terrific. And I 100% endorse that in terms of the need to get people engaged. John, did you have any other comments you wanted to include? I just think uh, I want to put one final kind of stamp on the need for like the anchor institutions and to really think through what those are. I talked about the educators, but also healthcare uh, is an interesting one. So, you know, you're reaching a lot of people. The key is we've reached this moment where nobody's sweeping this under the rug anymore. And so you can, you can grab those anchor institutions in a way that you really couldn't before. You sounded a little too wonky and a little, you know, who cares, broadband, whatever. I mean, people have it, it's fine. But now it's, there's no denying it. And our health uh, care network and system uh, is completely bought in as well. And uh, more often than not, they kind of, they find their own momentum on this and then we find them. So, you know, that's, that. I would encourage those out there listening um, to do the same, to kind of, uh, you know, you know, build your list of what those anchor institutions are, what's your wish list, and um, and then just start tapping those, building momentum. Exactly. It could be in some regions, in some areas, it could be tribal related. In some areas, it might be agriculture and smart ag. So it's exactly what John is saying. Your, your community needs are going to ter- determine who those outreach partners really are going to be. Excellent. Thank you both. This is going to be really useful for folks that are that are trying to figure this out, trying to get to where you are. And, and I'm looking forward to where your adventure takes you next. <laughs> I certainly hope it is uh, less uh, challenging than Odysseus for you to return home. But, uh, um, but it is exciting to, um, to see the progress you've made. So thank you both. You're quite welcome. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, John. That was Christopher talking with Pirette Renee Dagg and John Egelhoff. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. 
Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 449 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.